This is The Defrag, I'm Christopher Lawson. Within 48 hours of this episode going live, a large piece of space debris is due to slam into the surface of the moon. It appears the space junk comes from a Chinese rocket and will likely leave quite an impact on the lunar surface. So what do we know about this space debris? Where did it come from and how did it end up on a collision path with the moon? And what are we hoping to learn from it? Yeah, so it was kind of found um, in some, so to speak, we'll say amateur, not quite amateur, but, uh, you know, not a professional search for it. And, and what we mean by that is space junk in particular, even satellites in general, are quite poorly tracked and cataloged. Uh, and this is the classic example of it. Uh, so I'm Brad Tucker. I'm an astronomer at Mount Trump Observatory here in Canberra. Um, so it was discovered um, a few months ago saying, hey, this thing is real and it's probably going to go hit the moon. We, it was originally believed to be a rocket booster from a SpaceX launch of a far orbiting satellite. But that now appears not to be the case. It appears to be the rocket booster from one of China's moon missions a number of years ago. And even just this whole uncertainty is highlighted that, yeah, it's kind of uncertain when these things go up about where they are and what we know about them. Do we know how big um, this piece of debris is? So it is, you know, it, it will weigh about four tons. Uh, so, you know, we're not talking about something small. This is the, you know, when you see these rocket launches, this is the major part of the rocket, uh, the booster that takes it in. And it is free floating out there. We know it's traveling around 19,000 kilometers an hour. Uh, so when something traveling 19,000 kilometers an hour and weighs four tons hits something, we know it's going to leave a mark. Where on the moon's surface is it due to is it due to hit? So from from what the, it's going to calculate, it's going to hit on the far side of the moon. So some people call this the dark side, but it's not dark. It does get sunlight, but it always does face away from the Earth. So it's not the side that we see when we look up at night. Uh, however. Um, there are a bunch of satellites uh, that orbit around the uh, moon, uh, and one of them, um, or at least a couple of them probably, uh, will image and see this impact uh, and at least the aftermath of it. So we will get some images and data of this impact, but it won't be visible here on Earth. The rocket is due to hit the lunar surface in an area known as the Hertzsprung Crater, As Brad says, it's on the far side of the moon, so we're not going to be able to see it. But how did a piece of a man-made rocket end up on a collision course with the moon? Yeah, and 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 it's it's an interesting point because when you get out that far, um, the orbits are not stable. So when you go around the Earth, you end up in a fairly stable orbit, even if you're a rocket booster uncontrolled. You do slowly go back towards the Earth because there's a little bit of Earth's atmosphere that creates a drag, and so ever so slowly you fall back to the Earth, but you're relatively stable. When you send things out way past the moon, things get very unstable. There's not enough gravity um, to put objects into stable orbit unless you are purposely really close to the moon or in some other unique places. So for a rocket booster, when it takes it really far away, goes to the moon and kind of drops it off, it just kind of gets stuck going around there, but not in a very well-defined orbit. And there is the unfortunate chance that in its irregularity of movement, it it has an 
uh, accidental intersection with the moon, i.e. a collision. Early on, it was thought that this piece of space debris came from the SpaceX Falcon 9 mission. However, further analysis now indicates that it comes from one of China's early Chang'e missions. China denies this, but all the evidence points to it being a Chinese rocket. So how do we know where this piece of space debris came from? Yeah, and this is actually a great point because it actually is kind of hard. You know, they don't have these beacons, right? You know, it's not like an airplane where it it pings and says what it is. You have to track where it's orbiting, but then you have to or, or monitor it long enough to figuring out where it's going now to work back where it came from. Then if you can work back for where it came from, it can tell you um, relative to time and place. And then that gives you an idea of what it was because we know at least when things were launched and where they are headed. So it's kind of this big navigation of working backwards. It's no different than when we find an asteroid, for instance. We find an asteroid, we have to monitor it enough time to figuring out its orbit and then its path around. What makes it tricky is because it's not in this stable orbit. So it's not this perfect circle or relative perfect circle, which means that there was some uncertainty in exactly when and where it was, leading to the idea that maybe it was this SpaceX rocket. But you know, it's kind of, you know, you could be at one place at one time or a different place at a different time and the, the answer still kind of matches. And this was that kind of uncertainty with this um, which, you know, after some um, further analysis of what the orbit of that SpaceX rocket booster was, was determined, well, no, it wouldn't have been at these places at this time. Therefore, it's not that uh, leading to the next idea and analysis that, oh, it does match up with this one of these boosters from one of these early Chong missions from China. This is not a small piece of debris. So what kind of impact will it leave on the lunar surface? And what are we hoping to learn from it? That's coming up after this short break. Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. For the defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. A rocket is due to slam into the lunar surface. It's due to hit on Friday just after midday GMT. It's believed to be a booster from China's Chang'e 5 T1 mission. It's a large object traveling at incredibly high speeds. The moon also doesn't have much of an atmosphere to slow it down. So what kind of impact will it leave on the lunar surface? 
Oh yeah, it, it will definitely leave a, a sizable impact. Now again, because it's not facing us, we won't see it, but it most definitely will, you know, ring a bell, so to speak, on the moon. Now, it's not gonna destroy the moon, it's not gonna dramatically alter the moon or anything like that. We believe it could leave a crater between 20 and 60 meters in terms of size, so, you know, Again, something fairly sizable, because as you said, there's nothing to slow it down. Um, it will create some depth to the crater, i.e. it just won't be, you know, a little scar. There will be kind of a proper crater, and it will be seen by some of these satellites. There, There is hope, and, and kind of people have quoted this, and, and I've been interested in this as well, is that since we do have satellites and measuring devices around the moon that we could actually learn something from about it because nasa actually has purposely done something like this years ago um where they created an impact um projectile into the moon to create a new crater but what that did was it kind of kicked out all of the rock and dirt from underneath so you can see what was underneath the surface in a very easy efficient way so there's a belief that you know we could do this as well with this whole um, impact, and at least there's some positive from it. So given this is an accidental collision, and it's due to hit on the far side of the moon where we can't actively see what happens, what are we hoping to learn here? But yeah, because, because the far side of the moon is relatively unexplored, we haven't landed on it. Uh, well, there is a rover on it, but we haven't landed people. We don't have samples from it, really. Uh, understanding its composition, we do know the far side of the moon is different in some ways than the near side of the moon. Um, we think this has to do with its formation. So understanding a bit about what's underneath the surface is an easy way of what this huge effort is. There's a huge effort to get to the moon to understand you know, the composition, looking for things like ice and resources for future moon exploration. So this is a very cheap, free way uh, of doing one of these measurements. Yeah, I mean, given how much stuff we're we're trying to put into space at the moment, um, you, you know, do we think we'll see more of these sorts of, you know, unfortunate events uh, happening in space? Yeah, you know, space junk is a very big problem. It, it, it's mostly pressing around the Earth. That's where most of our satellites go. That's where most of this other, these rocket boosters and junk go. This is, you know, the biggest worry we have, and there's so much work happening on it. Um, you know, I always like to say it's one of the few areas where pretty much every country that generally doesn't like each other on Earth works together on because of how big of a problem and how much it affects everyone. And so it just is a sign of, of how big and of a problem it's evolving to be. Now, around the moon, it's a lot less um, in terms of its impact. But uh, as we do more activity around the moon, we expect more of it. And so that is one of the problems is, as you said, this huge race to the moon means that we're probably going to find more or see more or have more of these unfortunate collisions uh, happening. When you're talking about sort of cooperation, etc., when it comes to space, given everything that's going on with the war between Ukraine and Russia, what impact does that have on space and space exploration? Because things have largely, for many decades, been quite friendly in space. Yeah, and, and it's definitely taken a turn in the past week due to this the, the current in, uh, war happening in Ukraine. Um, 
you know, the Russian space agency had warned vaguely that it's putting the risk of the space station in that. And that was due to the sanctions because the first round of sanctions were to technology that is used in things like the space station. So they were saying, hey, this is a problem. Uh, now, it's not really a problem, but it could be. They could pull the astronauts out. They could lock them on the Russian side. There's a Russian and American side. They said, okay, we'll just, you know, go to your separate sides. All of that is unlikely. What appears to be unfolding quite rapidly is the stopping of future activity uh already europe and russia have ceased joint missions so launching missions from europe with russian cooperation or launching from russia or, or really kazakhstan with european cooperation uh and so things like a new mars rover called exomars this is scheduled to launch in september late september early october built by europe and russia well they've already said we're stopping doing this now the way it works going to Mars is you only have launch windows every 25 or 26 months. So if you miss the one in a few months time, you have to wait till late 2024, early 2025. Um, and in fact, it's already been pushed back from July 2020 because that was delayed due to COVID lockdown. So this mission could end up being five years late, um, potentially because of things like this. And there's lots of other missions that are being planned even more imminently that are in jeopardy uh, of happening at all. So so this definitely is something a lot of people point to is, as you said, we've had a great cooperation in space for so long, but now, you know, there's this really, uh, this big strife between these these groups and, and kind of this alliances form. There's this kind of China-Russia-led effort around the moon and this US-led effort around the moon with Australia and Europe and those sorts of things. and that kind of joint cooperation and peace that we even saw in the 70s during the Cold War in space seems to be rapidly fading and, and, and has quite a few people worried. If you'd like to learn more about how we could deal with space junk, we covered this in an episode of our Moonshot podcast. I'll put a link in the episode show notes. Also in the news today, electric vehicle maker Rivian has angered customers after it raised prices on its vehicles. Rivian has been taking pre-orders for their R1T pickup truck and R1S SUV and has received a lot of positive reviews for the excellent build quality and the features on offer. However, despite pre-orders being placed at a lower price, Rivian has increased the cost of the vehicles by almost 20% for everyone that hasn't already paid the full amount. In a statement to TechCrunch, Rivian said the price increase is due to the rising costs of materials and supply shortages across the industry. Ford has announced they are restructuring to organize their legacy vehicles and electric vehicles into different teams. The move is designed to streamline production for their EV lineup and maximize profits across the organization. The company has also increased spending on EVs with plans to spend $50 billion by 2026. The move is also designed to unlock value for shareholders, who had been putting pressure on the company to make this move, given how valuable electric vehicle manufacturers like Tesla have become. And Reuters is reporting that Ukraine is urging an additional 50 technology companies to take action in its fight against Russia. Since the start of the conflict, Ukraine has been putting pressure on technology giants to take a stand, 
Just this week, Apple announced that it was stopping sales of its products into Russia. And today, EA Sports announced that they'll be removing Russian and Belarusian teams from the FIFA and NHL franchises. These moves from technology giants comes on top of the significant economic sanctions that have been placed on Russia by economies like the US, the UK and the EU. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was produced and hosted by me, Christopher Lawson. If you want to catch up on old episodes, head across to our website, thedefrag.com. And consider joining our newsletter. It's completely free. There's a link in the episode show notes. That's all for today. I'll be back with more tomorrow. Tomorrow.